Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Anish Chowdhury on the line. Anish, how are you, sir? Doing great. How are you? I am great. We're going to talk about brain health today. Now, we've had a conversation before around this and burnout and a variety of things, but I thought this would be good to actually let other people besides ourselves listen to it. So tell us a little bit about your backstory, um, why brain health is so important, not only to you, but should be important to everybody involved and, and some of the great work that you're doing. Absolutely. I'd be happy to share. So as we discussed in our previous conversation, one thing that really got me into brain health, well, not just one thing, a series of things. I actually saw kind of my younger years, I suffered from pretty severe mental illness and addiction issues, primarily depression, anxiety, and bipolar, and, you know, different doctors, different diagnoses, different medications over the course of a six year period from 2012 to 2018, just had me going and searching for answers you know, inpatient rehabs, outpatient rehabs that just, you name it, I've probably done it in terms of like the psych- psychiatric and psychology world. And then I just realized that it, it didn't provide the answers I was looking for. Cause I, I tried to put so much emphasis into taking a pill and having that, you know, do the work for me. And then, so really the, the changing moment for me was when I went to the Amen clinics and I got my brain scanned in 2013, I was 20 years old at the time. And, you know, it was just, and I still envision it now, even as I talk about it, just sitting there with the psychiatrist and seeing my brain like laid out in front of me and like, oh, well, this is doing that. And that's what's causing this. And it would just like a light bulb moment where I realized that, you know, it's not a problem with me, but it's just simply an imbalance in my brain. And then then I became obsessed with wanting to learn about the brain and heal my brain because I knew there were a lot of things I want to accomplish in life. And, you know, I was born and raised in a great family. I was I went on vacations, had this, that, and the other. Like, it didn't make sense as to why I felt the way I felt. And then I ended up going and getting my bachelor's in neuropsychology and put myself just through, you know, started exercising more, started eating better, started meditating, and doing a lot of the things that the doctor recommended. And then I got my brain scanned again in 2015, and a lot of the things that were causing problems in 2013 were then significantly better, and a lot of them even gone. Like, it was absolutely amazing to see that power. And in my mind, I'm like, why are more people not doing this? Well, that's the thing. It's Our bodies are amazing as far as their ability to heal from the damage that we do to it. And there's so many inputs that we see and hear and taste and smell and those can have an impact on it. Like, I love how you said, you know, there wasn't an issue with you. It was just, there was an imbalance in in your brain that was causing some of the challenges that you were facing because you had, you know, what most people would call, you know, a decent life, you know, being able to do the things, had a good family, vacations, everything you mentioned. And Mm -hmm. normally, in those types of situations, you don't tend to experience those things unless there's something that's amiss with it. And, and thankfully you had the, you know, the insight to be able to say, no, there's something different about this. And, and I can imagine just sitting there with, with the, the doctor and saying, okay, this is my brain. This is what's going on with it. Wow. And, and then you go back a few years later and you see, you know, complete 
you know, changes to, to your brain uh, because of the things that you've implemented about you know, eating better, you know, taking better care of yourself. You know, even you know, the meditation and you know, just quieting things down. And just before we went online, I posted a 15-second video. There's a ravine that's not too far from where I live. So the water's running through it. It's going across the rocks and everything. And it's just it's a 15-second video. And I just put it on there. It's like, okay, here's your 15-second break for the day. Because so many people are going, 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 that they won't take 15 seconds just to watch water and listen to the river flow or Mm. the birds or things like that. We're so filled with noise in our life that pausing just for a few seconds for so many people can be really challenging. So um, I guess you weren't meditating prior to this when you, you did the discovery with um, how you could basically heal your brain? I was shortly. I mean, I started meditating in 2012 and then I got my brain scanned in 2013. So I maybe med- been meditating for like six to eight months, but it was not, you know, it was maybe five to 10 minutes in the morning, like a couple mornings a week. So it wasn't consistent by any means. And I even saw pretty good improvements with that in terms of how I was functioning in school but it really came even more so once I made the conscious intention and making it a regular practice. It's amazing how powerful it is when you're doing it because then the research shows is that it increases blood flow to your brain and literally makes your brain bigger and not just bigger, but it actually helps to integrate and create new connections between existing brain areas. So not only does it strengthen it, but it makes it more cohesive and you know, coherence. That's the term. It makes it more coherent not cohesive, coherent in the sense that then more of your brain starts to light up throughout the day versus, you know, say if you're functioning and in a certain way and perhaps some places are overactive, other parts of the brain then go to sleep. And so what meditation does is it helps to engage some of those areas that perhaps weren't engaged before when you're truly, you know, present in the moment and present with what you're doing as opposed to like, okay, physically I'm here, but mentally I'm like thinking about what happened last Tuesday, you know, in a conversation with my boss. And I think that that's a very common scenario that many of us can relate to. Yeah, we're definitely seeing it, I'm sure, you know, increase quite a bit with uh, the time of this recording. Of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people are working um, from home and their work hours, as some studies that I've seen have indicated that people are working 40% more hours than they were prior to the pandemic starting. So they're constantly thinking about work and if they've got micromanaging bosses that are having 18 Zoom calls a day just to make sure you're doing your job, they're going to be thinking about that. That's all they're going to be thinking about. They're not thinking about actually doing their work. They're mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, what am I going to say during that Zoom call? You know, am I, you know, do I have the right clothes on? What, you know, all the things that they think about instead of just being in a state of flow to be able to focus on the things that they should be focusing on at that particular moment and doing it at a pace that's healthier than you know, the pace that we're seeing way too many people utilize right now. Absolutely. I agree because I think the, the toughest part about, you know, working from home and I've even noticed it with myself is that, you know, when you have a distinct place of work as in an office that you go there and that is strictly dedicated to work and not to say you can't work at home, but then when that like the home begins to become your office and then that it, it starts to make it like it almost tricks the mind into thinking because normally the home is associated with typically family relaxation and you know okay i'm home from work now so i can like shut down but then when you're in that place where it has to be 
all those things plus work, it can become very confusing and misleading to those who are not used to it. Yeah, I advise people all the time, especially when they go and say, I'm going to work from you know, this beach or I'm going to work from the patio or all these things. And, they, and they, a lot of people do it and they, they think it's great. And I tell them, well, when I'm at the beach or I'm in a patio somewhere or I'm on vacation, I don't want to be working. Sure. I, want those, I don't want those places to be associated with work. Yes, it's great. You look up and you're looking out at the ocean or wherever you happen to be. Great. But you know what? I'd much rather sit back and look at the ocean without having one of these laptops in my lap because I'm working in spectra. And it's one of those things where I think it, from time to time it's okay. But if it's all the time, then it tends to blur the lines of when you should be working and when you should be in leisure. And right. again, I think that's where your brain kicks in and says, I should be doing something. I should be working right now. Even in, when I first started working from home years ago, there was always that period of time where, okay, it's a lull. There wasn't anything going on. Emails have all been read. There wasn't anything I was working on at that particular moment. But my brain kept saying, you should be working. You should be doing something. Like, Take a few minutes and just relax. This is an assembly line for most of us. Most people aren't working on an assembly line. They're working on things that, yes, there's an outcome. You're supposed to have these things done by a certain time. But mm -hmm. the pace you go at it is up to you and what makes sense for you and your organization. And too often, I think people just try to jam all kinds of stuff into that time frame. And like you said, it, when you're working from home, it blurs the lines and it can really uh, create some havoc with not only with your own mental health, uh, but also you know, your relationships with your family because they don't understand necessarily, wait a minute, you said you were going to do this all day. It's after work hours. Why are you still working? And it, it's definitely creating some interesting dynamics that we're seeing, uh, especially over the last couple of months anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for myself, like, you know, when I first started my business business before opening up my clinics last year, I was working from home and what I had to do, and it was a one bedroom apartment. So you, there's not like a whole lot of space, different space to do different things. So one thing I, I got really clear in my mind, you know, because with the help of the therapist I was working with at, at the time, said in terms of like helping me to like mitigate stress and like create a workspace within the home. So, you know, I had my desk in that corner. And then so I knew that like sitting at the desk meant it was time to work. And I didn't bring my work into my bedroom or in the living room. It was like, okay, if I was going to work, I'd sit at the desk. But say if I was like on my laptop and doing more personal things, then I could take my laptop to the uh, to the couch. I know I wouldn't. I would keep it out of the bedroom because I think like mixing electronics and and bed. Like I mean, I really try to keep the bed just for sleep and you know reading for thirty minutes before sleep. I don't have a TV in my bedroom because I know for many many years I used to love to watch TV before bed. So I think that there are strategic ways that people can get around it. But I think it's about like having that clarity of intention in your mind. Like okay, this this space here is for work. Here's for leisure. The kitchen is for cooking. I won't work in those leisure and cooking spaces because then that helps to, to then make it more distinct. Like, okay, I can step away from the workspace and give myself permission, you know, to kind of rest my mind. And I found that to be very effective for myself. I do the same thing. I'm in a condo, so you know, it's got a couple bedrooms and, and whatnot. And, and I 
tend to have a dedicated space for things. And when I get up from the work area to go into the kitchen or bedroom or bathroom or anything like that, you, you do your best not to you know, use technology when you're in those places. Now with with smartphones, and I know some people use these things from time to time as their computer, and that's where the lines really get blurred. And they're great devices. I, I love mine, and you know, definitely based on the, the amount of time that I'm spending on it, because Apple tells me how many hours I've been on it every week. So I know I use the thing, but I know that there's boundaries around, you know, and I, that's one of the greatest things they ever did. It's like, yeah, you, you've been on your iBinky just a little bit too much last week, and you go, oh, wow, okay. But it, it, it makes sense, but in a way, it, it helps you prioritize okay what do you need to do and for some people you know, especially if you're entrepreneurs yeah your smartphone you know, may be you know your computer so yes you're going to be oh. using it more but you're just gonna have to keep it in check with you know, when you're working and when you're off and because these things are so portable I and mean, you can be working anywhere and it's it's a case of just having those boundaries around those things that make it so important so in your findings and working with brain health and, of course, your discoveries of your own ability to heal your brain from you know, the challenges that you were facing before, you know, what are some things that people can do in the short term and then obviously in the long term that can help them you know, improve their own brain health and, and, and some things to, you know, warning signs to look out for if, if they're encountering some challenges? I think a lot of it really has to do with awareness of emotions. I think is super key because it, emotions are something that everybody has and not many of us truly understand. And I think that when emotions come up, it can have people oftentimes overanalyzing it. So I think that using the practice of meditation is the most immediate and effective tool because, you know, even in the midst of a stay at home order, let's say the world is in the middle of a crazy apocalypse, you could still meditate and still find peace within the craziness. I mean, thankfully we're not at that point and things are starting to open back up, but I'm using that extreme example because, you know, you're not going to be like reliant upon, okay, I have to say go to a chiropractor to readjust my spine. It's like almost like mental hygiene because, you know, we place so much emphasis emphasis on physical hygiene, you know, brushing our teeth and showering on a daily basis is second nature for most people. But then when it comes to something like meditation and cleaning our mind and journaling, like I always like to use when people are getting into meditation, I use meditation and a combination with journaling because then people can get very overwhelmed and sitting there with their thoughts when they're not used to it. And then that's where having them journaling about their experience and then oftentimes like asking questions about like, okay, what like repetitive negative thoughts continue to come up in my mind and then begin to journal about those. That way you can then start to create awareness around a lot of the blocks because, you know, like a lot of like my clients, when they first started meditating, their mind is going to tell them that they need to go do this. They need to go do that. And like the thoughts that keep coming up over and over again are usually the very troubling ones. Cause we think about the ones that don't leave our mind throughout the course of the day. And then it's like learning to actually sit, like just sit there and be with them and then write it down is a very powerful exercise. And I think that that could be, you know, the second part of your question is like what challenges is that it's, it's going to be very challenging to be able to sit and do that. So I think that could be a very good metric of kind of where you're at in terms of like emotional regulation and kind of just mental control is, are you truly able to sit with what you're feeling? Because if you're not, 
then chances are then the world may be pulling you around in more directions than you say have full control over. And then that's where it's really, really powerful to just be able to sit there. And I always like to use the term selective discernment because, you know, we, when it comes to work and when it comes to family and all these other different commitments in life, people have the tendency to want to take on too much. And so this way you're able to selectively discern which opportunities serve me at this time, which may be better off, you know, say putting off in the future or which opportunities may not fit at all. So I think like then learning to control emotions in all scenarios of life, using meditation as the tool to physically keep yourself grounded. And then journaling as a tool to create awareness is really for me, what just totally shifted my everything really. I love the journaling aspect of it. That's something that I do all the time. And it, it's really helpful, not only from like a food journal type of thing, but for my own energy. So you know, I can look back and say, okay, yesterday I didn't sleep well. Okay, what did I not eat that I should have? Or what did I eat that I shouldn't have? What other things went on during the day? So I can see, okay, there's some things that I need to work on with that. Or, okay, now I know that I have some type of intolerance to that type of food or maybe the way that it was prepared, depending on what it is. And over time, when you look at this, you can see, okay, these are these are themes. And for me, it, having worked in the healthcare industry for as long as I did, it's it's good signs to say, okay, if something is starting to turn and you're going to have some potential health issues, those signs show up early. Many of us are just oblivious to it, but they mm-hmm. do give hints. So if you see something happening over a period of time, you're like, okay, there's something amiss here. Maybe I should, you know, talk to a naturopath or a doctor or or you know whoever you seek your medical guidance from to see, okay, is there anything to this? But also too, it, it helps you pivot and go, all right, maybe I need to start focusing on something else or hey, wait a minute, maybe there's something with this that's holding me back to do the things that I want to do. You know, even at the beginning of this pandemic, I started feeling, I want to say depressed, but I was feeling down about things. And sure. now mind you, things being closed and, and, and being separated from loved ones and not being able to travel and all that kind of stuff. Sure, that, that plays part. But for me, I, I was recognizing, okay, there's something deeper to this. And I couldn't figure it out at first, but then it clicked that a lot of the challenges and the losses that people are facing right now uh, with the pandemic, job losses, income loss, and and loss of life, whatever, you know, all those things. uh, It was reminding me of my own burnout journey back in 2009 and 10, even though I'm in a completely different place now, both healthier, financially set, life is good. But Mm -hmm. I was having the same, I was basically getting triggered from the memories of a decade ago when it wasn't good. And I was getting triggered by seeing people go through some similar experiences that I was facing back then. And thankfully I caught it. I'm like, okay, I need to journal about this because there's obviously something that I have not really addressed from those losses that I thought I did. Cause I thought I'd moved well beyond that, but seeing those happen, I think it, it just kind of channeled some emotions. And I, thankfully, you know, I caught it and I'm like, okay, what is this? And just you know, write it out. And, you know, I'm glad that I was able to do that. And I had the hindsight and the clarity to think about that because too often, uh, most people, they don't think, they can't think that deeply or have the clarity to really analyze what's going on. They they tend to stay stuck in this is what's going on right now. And that's where they stay. Right. 
It is. And, and I think through the practice of meditation and then, you know, learning to truly sit with our emotions, then we come to realize that there's always going to be some kind of chaos in the world that never stops, but it's truly how we view it. And our perception is key. I mean, it's such a cliche statement, but it's like, you know, optimism versus pessimism, looking at the glass half empty versus half full, there's always going to be things wrong. If we focus on the wrong, it's going to magnify and get bigger and bigger. But if we, you know, in these moments, like I, I was the same way at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like freaking out for the first couple of weeks. I'm like, am I going to lose my businesses and lose everything? And then, you know, I was like in that place for like a good week or two. And then I just was like, so stressed out. I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find a way out and I may not know what it is right this second, but I'm going to continue to, to search, to brainstorm, to talk to people. And I did, you know, we pivoted and we're slowly opening back up. And, and so, you know, it's one of those things where I think that people have the tendency to like, our minds just get stuck. And that's where with practicing meditation, we're able to then like, just take a step back and, and almost like, rather than being in the midst of it, like I always like to use this exercise with my clients where, you know, it's, it's a visualization exercise where you know, I tell my clients to close their eyes and imagine yourself just sitting in, you know, whether it's on a couch or a recliner chair, or a movie theater or something like a comfy chair, you know, you got some food, you know, whatever is your favorite kind of food in your lap. And then just imagine a big screen in front of you. And then just imagine putting all the thoughts that are going on, like in your mind, like you're watching them on a screen, eating your favorite food, completely detached from what it is. And then that way it shows you that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are outside of you. And then it's when we identify with our thoughts and I say, those are the truth. That's when we can begin to get in that negative spiral of going down, down and down to where, you know, it can then manifest as like actual full-blown mental illness. And, you know, it's like you said, it takes a process. I mean, you don't just wake up one morning with full-blown depression. You know, there's like a series of prompting events and then a whole lot of negative thoughts that come along with it. And that's just what I've seen in my experience. And, and like, you know, same thing with like heart attacks and strokes. I mean, there's so many cases we hear of, of like, you know, say someone may get a stroke in their fifties and they'll just be like, I was just at work. And then I woke up in the hospital and I have no clue what happened, but that just goes to show how much of a disconnect there is between people's behavior and their true state of health because there would have been so many warning signs up until that stroke that would have said like you know you're under stress you're under pressure slow down slow down no one more time slow down <laughs> so it's like people just they like it just it doesn't just happen out of the blue and, and slow down if if you didn't <laughs> right first, if you didn't get the first three and then add another 10 on that yeah no, it's it's <laughs> crucial it's and like in my story with with burnout, you know, my burnout did not happen overnight. It doesn't, uh, but you know, it, when it came to a crashing halt, it, it certainly did. And it, at first, like, what happened? But you know, then I, I traced the steps backward and went, oh, okay, these are all the ingredients that led to this. And I was able to see those after reflection and and talking with people and just you know analyzing how I'd been living my life. Uh, up to that point and and realized okay well now that i survived that let's let's not do that again and let's let's first slow down um, and and really start living life i guess with more intention 
and having themes for your days. And of course, there's going to be fluctuations and all of that. But at the end of the day, if you can take better care of yourself, you're going to take better care of everything that you do and everyone that you encounter because you're at an optimum health state, both your mind and body and soul. And if you can do that, you know, then, then life's pretty amazing and you can withstand pandemics and all the other fun stuff that we get to experience in life. Right. And it's one of those things now today versus me, you know, in the midst of mental illness, I would wake up and just be wondering what's the point of life. You know, I had a good couple of years where I was contemplating suicide. It got that bad, but that doesn't just ha- like, it didn't just happen. It was like years and years of me believing these negative thoughts and me telling myself I'm worthless I don't have a purpose on this earth. I'm a burden to all those around me. And then all these just other negative thoughts that weren't based in reality. And so when I was able to detach myself from those, like now, not to say I don't have negative thoughts, there's always going to be negative thoughts. But the difference is versus me today versus me eight years ago was that when those thoughts come up, I don't believe them. I just keep on doing what I'm doing, continue to take action, stay, you know, there are days where I question, you know, like, is this the right thing to do? But it's on a much smaller scale and it's much more based from a place of rationale, understanding like, you know, this may not be the best time or I may be trying to take on too much or, you know, I'll revisit that in six months or, you know, like that opportunity doesn't really kind of fit in alignment with my goals. And I'm in a place today where because I have an abundant mentality, I have an abundance of opportunity. And so with that, it's like now I can put in, say, you know, a good eight to 10 hours of work a day. It's usually where I set my limit kind of depending on where it's at and then, you know, be sit with my family for dinner and then ultimately go and just go for a walk. You know, I always go for at least one, sometimes two walks a day and then truly be able to wind down and enjoy like those moments of peace and be truly like truly relaxing. And that is a skill that took a long time to be able to develop. Yeah. But when you develop that skill, it, it, it prolongs your life and it makes your life full and, and rich and again, focusing on, on your brain health will impact every other aspect of your health of your life. I totally agree with that. So Nisha, loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this incredible work you're doing? Absolutely. So feel free to visit my website. It's www.soulphysiolifestyle.com or feel free to connect with me on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'd definitely love to hear from you. I'll have all that information in the show notes. So Anish, thank you again for your, all the work that you're doing. And, and it's always great to chat with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.